Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Azband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Yuma, daf Gimel, page three. Um, we found, I think, that these pages are kind of flying by in terms of our preparation of them. We hope that you are finding the language and the personalities and the topics a little bit more familiar as well. I'm going to jump here to two small pieces on Ahmed Bet that are not necessarily connected. They don't have to be connected. Um, they kind of flow one from the next. And then your Dana, I know you have more to talk about as well. Um, okay. We have here at the top of Ahmed Bet, there's a discussion about a Breita where it says, it discusses the verse in the Torah when it says, Kach lecha. Kach lecha, take, your, take you or take for yourself, take from yourself. Titania kach lecha. When the Breita says, the verse says, Kach lecha, take yourself, take for yourself. It, the Gemara here adds, or the Breita adds, Mishelcha, from your, from that which is yours. Vaaselcha, and make for yourself, Mishelcha, again, from what is yours. Vikhu uh, elcha, and you should, um, and they will take it to you, right? They will take it to you, Mishel Tibor. Now, once they're talking about what are they going to bring to you, is we're saying it's a bit from anything that is um, communal property. Divrei Rabbi Yoshaya, all of that is from Rabbi Yoshaya, Yoshia, Yoshia. Oh, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yoshia. Rabbi Yonatan Omer, Ben Kachlacha, Ben Vikhuelacha. This formulation of whether you've got take lacha for yourself from yourself from your own property, or or you've got they will take to you, Michel Tibor. Either way, according to Rabbi Yonatan, we're talking about communal property. Then what do we need for? Why do we have a different formulation to begin with? Right? The Gemara here is being very careful in its read of the different biblical phrasings to say that this sounds different. It means something technically different. So why would you even have it? So you say, well, it's as if it were from your property. That you, you want it to come from your property more than I want it to come from theirs. Meaning, and, and the issue here is, you know, who's giving these property, right? Is it from, is it attributed to Moshe, to Moses and the Torah, right? Or are we talking about communal property? Now, what I wanted to talk about here, this is, you know, a little bit jumping in the middle, or it's a, I would say it's a piece that's kind of, you could read it as we are doing without all the backdrop of the specific korbanot of the day of Yom Kippur, right? But what is interesting to me here is exactly that generality. The fact that we've got a the phrasing of kachacha, take to yourself, for yourself, but really is understood to mean from that which is yours. And then, or, or perhaps not, depending on which opinion you have here. And again, if it's going to be from communal property, well, then what do we need kachacha? Why would we have that to mean from your own property? So then this is this great line at the end, it says, if me, you know, this is where we're saying that God says to Moshe, I want, that God wants, that which is coming from your property, from Moshe's property, as compared to that which is the real communal property. So just in mulling this over, I think that there is um, a good amount to think about in terms of how we relate to the property of others and how we relate to our own property, even just in these very small little words. Well, this also shows the constant tension, I think, between who is the Kohen Gadol really serving? And what does it mean if you say he takes something that's his versus something that really belongs to communal property? I think we actually saw this a little bit in Shkalem, 
Um, and we're seeing that even more now, and even the possibility that the Kohen Gadol would take some of these things from his own, but yet it's sort of a function or an avoda for, you know, the entire community. Um, it's a strange balance. And I think this is one of the themes I, you know, tend to, I'm going to pay attention to in this Masachat. Yes, and I think that the machloket here, the dispute here between Rav Yoshe and Rav Yonatan, I think highlights exactly this. Meaning, can there ever be something that is really from the Kohen Gadol's own personal stash, right? When he's doing, when he's functioning in this capacity. So according to Rav Yoshe, yes, right? That's the language and that's the implication. And Rav Yonatan says it doesn't matter the implication, really, it's always going to be communal. Right, and what exactly does that mean? Okay, and now I just have this one small, again, I had said I have these two little pieces that are next to each other um, that don't per se have to have anything to do with each other. The next bit says as follows. So there's where you see that the, the language actually does connect them, right? Because it's still talking about lecha, where it says specifically, there's a verse in Devarim, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10, verse 1, and make you, right? Make you or make for yourself or make from that which is your property. Aaron ate uh, an Aaron, uh, an ark, for lack of a better term, an ark of wood. And we have another verse, meaning in Sefer Shemot in the book of Exodus, chapter 25, verse 10, that says, and they will make an ark of a particular kind of wood, which I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but I would call it acacia wood. Um, so this seems to be a contradiction, meaning are you taking from wood, your wood, whatever the wood might be, or are you taking specifically from this kind of wood? Haketzad, how can that be? Kan bizmanch Yisrael osin ritzono shomakom. Kan bizmanch ain osin ritzono shomakom. So the Gemara says that this seems to be a contradiction. How can this be, how can this be resolved? And so the Gemara says, well, in this case, the Gemara is talking about a time when B'nai Israel were in fact doing ritzon meaning the will of makom, of God. Makom is a, it means place, but here it's capital P, right? It's the will of, it's another, I don't know what, a nickname for God. So when B'nai Israel are performing the will of God, then they get the credit for building the Aron, meaning vasitelecha, right? But then if you go back, you say there's a time when you know, B'nai Israel were not doing ratzon hamakom, right? So then that construction, that same building of that ark, is only going to be credited to Moshe Rabbeinu, meaning as if he did it all by himself. I mean, we all know he didn't do it all by himself, but it's as if, you know, he's the only one that God wants to pay attention to because everybody else is kind of not doing what he wants on earth anyway, right? And then once you've got that, then we can say, well, if this is the distinction, meaning either way, it's really coming from everybody and it's just the way it's talked about when credit is giving, given to everybody or just to Moshe Rabbeinu, well, then you can say more simply that there's no real difference between the karbonot of Yom Kippur or the karbonot of any other time because it's really just the way that we're talking about them. This business of the kachlacha, right? So, so there. Now the Gemara, I see how the Gemara connects the two passages, but there, the language is what connects them, right? And and the interest in what is what is going on in terms of these karbonot um, on on Yom Kippur in particular. Um, it's fancy footwork to look at the verses about the wood, about the Aaron, and say, ah, okay, that's that's separate. Oh, they, they're really the same kind of thing talked about in a different kind of way. 
and to then take that and then throw it back to to understand that even when Moshe Rabbeinu was given full credit, really it's just talking about it's because Hashem is not pleased with Bnei Israel, not that they didn't do the work. And it's interesting to see this distinction be made. Um, I I don't know that it's one that we've seen so often before. In other words, sort of what was the intention of Bnei Israel, you know, vis-a-vis all of this? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, I, I will have to see if this comes up again. I just want to point out something that's sort of at the bottom of the staff here, um, which is there's a whole discussion around Rabbi Yochanan, and it's interesting to see that Rabbi Yochanan, this piece I'm not going to read inside, you know, we began the Gemara piece with the Pasuk being quoted from Vayikra Perak Chet uh, to sort of prove that even the Paraduma, the Kohen who performs that ritual, that Avoda, uh, was also going to need to be sequestered for seven days similar to what would need to be done for the Kohen Gadol when he performs the Avodah of Yom Kippur. And we actually learned that Rabbi Yochanan actually holds that the Paraduma one is not the Eresa, that's sequestering, but is actually, um, it's actually just a Darabanan. And then there follows from there a discussion between Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan. Now, we'll do a who's who about Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan um, at another time, I didn't think this was the best Gemara to do it over, but know that they're always, you know, they're chavrusas together. Amar le Reish Lakish to Rabbi Yochanan, so Reish Lakish says to Rabbi Yochanan, Mehechakai yalfta la, sorry, I had trouble with that word. Where do you get the obligation, right, of having to, you know, this this, this sequestering for Yom Kippur, right? Mimiluim, <laughs> you get it from the inauguration service, right? There's a lot of parallel talk here that we see between what happened when the Mishkan, you know, was going to be inaugurated as a one-time event and what the Kohen Gadol does, you know, as a singular experience on Yom Kippur. And so then Rich Lakish goes on to say, Rabbi Yochanan, So if we're going to say that with the inauguration, everything that's written about it was essential for it. In other words, if a piece of it wasn't done, as was explained that needed to be done, right? Then any part of that avoda, then the avoda, anything you do afterwards is going to be considered to be pastoral, it's invalid. It's not good avoda. So here also we're talking about Yom Kippur. Anything that's written about it, we should also say is ma'akev is also essential for it. So what that would mean is that if the Kohen Gadol did not sequester himself for the seven days before, then the avoda, right? The, let's say the Kohen Gadol only sequestered himself for four days. The avoda of Yom Kippur would not be considered to be actually valid. And so now he's going to ask question. So if you're going to say that that's true, right? That following everything, any part of it, not just the avoda of the day, but even what happens prior to the avoda is an essential part of the avoda itself. And if you don't do it, it disqualifies the avoda of the day itself. We learned in a Mishnah. Right. So now we're just quoting our Mishnah that the parak started off with. Right. And they prepare another coin as a substitute. So remember that part of the discussion of that Mishnah is the Kohen Gadol sequestered for seven days. But also in case something happens to the Kohen Gadol, he dies, he becomes Tameh, he's not going to be able to do the Avoda of Yom Kippur. We have another um, Kohen in his place. And he, what Rich Lakish is paying attention to is the language here of the Mishnah. Umatikin, um, right? They prepare him. The Lokatani Mafrishan. The mission does not teach they separate him or they sequester him. 
So it seems like whatever this preparation is that they're doing for sort of the backup Kohen Gadol is not necessarily sequestering. It's a prepare. It's it's a preparing. And that's what he's paying attention to. Um, and I think also when you read that Mishnah, uh, you know, originally, it seems to be a little vague. But I think Rachel Lakish is bringing a very good point here. Right. If you're going to say that they prepare, Mafrishin is actually they are separating, they're sequestering. So then the Mishnah should teach, right, Matkinan in both places. In other words, what it's paying attention to is, is that the beginning of that Mishnah, right, is using the language of, you know, Shivat Yamim Kodam Yom Kippurim Mafrishin Kohen Gadol, Mi right? And so what he's, what Rish Lakish is trying to say here is, if that second coin, you know, potential second coin gadol needs to do everything that that first coin gadol does in order for the avoda of Yom Kippur to actually be valid. That's the question that he's basically asking. And so he's trying to figure out why is the language not parallel? Why is it that the halacha and the shivat yamim with the coin gadol is mafrishin? And the halacha around having the backup coin gundel is preparing, right? It's matkinan. It's not mafrishin. And so that would seem to imply that actually you don't need, you know, the, the, the substitute person is not actually sequestered. Um, and then maybe that means that the sequestering isn't an essential part of the avoda. He's not sure what to make of this. So Rabbi Yochanan answers, Amar Le, he says to Rachel Kish, Elamar Mehecha Yalifwa, where do you sort of get the obligation? Altogether. In other words, where are you getting this obligation, right? It, it's clear that you are, your requirement, therefore, for the sequestering for Yom Kippur can't be from the inauguration, can't be from the Miluin. So where are you going to learn it from? Amar, he says, me Sinai. He's going to say, no, this is basically uh, from what happened on Sinai. Dichtiv, vayashkon kabod Hashem al-har Sinai, vayachaseu ha'anan sheisha yamim, vayikra el-moshe vayom hashvi'i. So here he's quoting a pasuk, Rish Lakish from uh, Shmot Parakhaf Dalit Pasuk Tet Zion, chapter 24, verse 16, right? Where it says, um, you know, uh, the glory of Hashem rested on Har Sinai and the cloud covered him for six days. And he, meaning Hashem, called Moshe on the seventh day. Um, right? As the cloud covered him. Um, so what Rish Lakish is saying here is that the cloud covered Moshe, right? But some people would read this pasuk actually is Vechasehu Ha'anan, is that it it covered it. It really covered Har Sinai. And so then Rish Lakish goes on to say, Michdei, right? Let us see. Right? It says he called, Hashem calls to Moshe on the seventh day. So then what's the purpose of saying that Moshe was covered basically for these six days? Zebaneav. Right. This this basically Banet creates or builds the source. Right. For what? Anybody who enters the camp of the, you know, of the Shrina is going to be need to be sequestered for at least six days beforehand. Um, and so it's interesting to see that Rish Lakish is really going to have a totally different way of learning this. And so that even where we started our paragraph with this Mishnah that seems very easy to understand, right? The immediate discussion about Paraduma, that it's also a Doraisa and like Yom Kippur, we then get this discussion about with Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. I really only read the Reish Lakish one. 
where Rabbi Yochanan says, no, the, the paraduma is de, is de Rabbanan. And Reish Lakish come, and he has a totally different way of learning this out. He agrees that the seven days is there, but he learns it totally differently. And it's not from the inauguration. He learns it from, uh, you know, from this passage about how Moshe prepares. Now, the obvious question that comes here is, but we learn in the mission that he's really separated the Kohen Gadol for seven days, not six. And this Pasuk that Reish Lakish is trying to make the parallel to is only for six days. And so the Gemara answers, Matnina and Rabbi Yehuda ben Beterahi. So our mission is in accordance with Rabbi Yehuda ben Beterah, to Chayish, right, whose concern, Litumat Beto, right, for the Tuma of his house, which literally means, which is actually the Tuma of his wife. Meaning, let's say the Kohen Gadol's wife basically were to become a Nida, uh, you know, while they uh, were having a sexual relationship together, he would be Tame for seven days. Um, which is what would happen according, you know, we learned that also in, in Vayikra. And that would disqualify the Kohen Gadol from basically doing the Avoda on Yom Kippur. So therefore, the Kohen Gadol needs to be, you know, sort of sequestered for this full seven days, um, full seven days uh, in advance. Um, and so the point really about Rish Lakish is not really the number, but it's the idea of what the source of the sequestering is. And I actually have to say, I kind of like Rachel Lucky. She's learning this out. You know, there was something about the inauguration. Like, <laughs> this makes, but I understand where the why the Gemara goes to the inauguration because there you, you're. In other words, I think what's interesting about these two derivations is: Are you learning it like parallel Cohen Gadol activity to parallel Cohen Gadol activity? Right, the Emiluim, the inauguration to the Avoda of Yom Kippur, or is the parallel text important of the divine encounter? And Reish Lakish is much more interested in the divine encounter as opposed to it being an act, you know, doing a parallel action of of, a, of another Kohen. I think that's really well said. I like that distinction. And I think part of it is, you know, I would say, are you more inclined to pay attention to the textual comparison or are you going to pay attention to the I don't know what, like the philosophical underpinnings of what's going on here, which means you could take a step back from the text and say, let's let's talk about that. I wouldn't that even account. call it the textual. I um, would call it the halachic textual comparison, right? Like the sukim about the inauguration, are, it's a halachic text in a way, right? It's telling you what, what had to happen to inaugurate the Mishkan and, and the service of the Kohanim. This discussion about what takes place on, you know, uh, which takes place on Harsinai, Right, has a much more philosophical context to it, but I certainly can understand why Rish Lakish went there. Right, right. The one other comment I just wanted to make is that I think that there's something that is potentially misleading in the English, right? When we talk about sequestering here, we really mean the stay in the Beit HaMikdash as opposed to the stay at home, right? He's not really locked up. He's not sequestered the way we think of like, I don't know what I, the term to me means like jury sequestering, right? Where, where you're not allowed to talk to anybody. You're not allowed to do anything here. He's busy, right? He's got a lot to do um, in terms of his preparation for the, for the day. He's just not, you know, he's just not functioning at home in his usual way. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.